Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for 518.08. 518.08. And today we're going to be doing a dedicated study, probably several studies, on the Lakeland Revival. We're going to be doing updates. Uh, we're going to be talking about Todd Bentley and the diabolical signs that are manifesting through this individual. He's the one that's doing uh, most of the primary healing at that particular, quote, revival. And how this relates to the false outpouring of the latter rain, the manifest sons of God, Joel's army, how that's all in full swing. Of all teachings I have ever done, this one probably affected me more than any other one in regard to just the material. The one thing I will not be able to do today is convey the pictures, but what I'm going to try to do, and as much as I can, is I'm going to try to get with the PDF document that will be attached to this. I'm going to try to have links to the pictures, because there's no way I can post all the pictures, because Sermon Audio only allows me to have a... Uh, they, they limit the size of the PDF file I can upload. And I guarantee you if I posted all these pictures, it would be too high for that. So I'm going to try to post links. You can actually go into the PDF file and click on these links and see these pictures for yourself. And, you, and you're just... It's mind-boggling what's going on up there. The falling away is truly in full swing. Uh, we'll start out with a Bible verse, Matthew 24, 23-24. And it says... If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise many false Christs and false prophets. So see, the Bible's clearly predicting that's going to happen. Many false Christs and false prophets. And shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now you'll hear me quote that they shall deceive the very elect quite often, but it's good to repeat the whole verse. Because the Bible clearly predicts there's going to be false Christs, false prophets, that will show great signs and wonders. That includes healing. In fact, that's one of the primary ways it's going to happen. And then it says, in so much if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Well, you have to ask yourself on an everyday basis, is it possible for me to be deceived? And I think all of us would have to admit that. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, all of us are, it's possible for all of us to be deceived, myself included. In fact, I'm sure as you go through life, you find that <clears throat> there's certain things you find out on a given, maybe daily basis, that you didn't know. Maybe you were deceived about. And this is why I emphasize the, the, when the Bible says in Hosea 4.6 that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge, it's very, very easy to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. And not so much that you know losing your salvation as it is the fact that when you're deceived and, and when you have this lack of knowledge, you can be destroyed. Okay? Or it can, at bare minimum, hinder your ministry or what you can do for the Lord. Now, another verse I want to repeat, and I'm going to repeat this at least one more time within this teaching, that I believe really has to be emphasized, is 2 Peter 2.19. Regarding these false teachers and false prophets... It says, while they promised them liberty, and this is a very common theme within the Pentecostal charismatic movement, messianic, uh, these ministers promised them all these things regarding liberty. They're going to they're be flowing in abundant health, they're going to be flowing in abundant finances, 
You know, they're going to do all these great and mighty things. But the Bible says, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. So this is what they're doing, promising liberty, but they themselves, and as we're going to see with Todd Bentley, the servants of corruption. And then this next part's very important. Because people say, how can this be? How can these people... I knew this person that went to this revival. And they were, they were basically, you know, what they thought to be, you know, they're good Christians and these types of things. You know, I grew up with these people. How could they be deceived by this? Well, here's how. The second part of Second Peter 2.19 says, For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. Just as an example, if you go to Lakeland and you go to Todd Bentley, and you go up to that altar and get a healing, you are, voluntary submitting, you are voluntarily submitting yourself to this bondage. The bondage that Todd Bentley is in through Satan is going to fall upon you yourself. You have voluntarily opened the door to Satan, and he will come in every time. Christian or no Christian, you're still God still gives you a free will even after you get saved. I'm not saying... I, now, obviously, there's gigantic differences between a Christian and a non-Christian, okay? Holy Spirit living inside you, that's a whole other sermon. But, nonetheless, for whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. And these people that are going up to Lakeland are voluntarily letting Todd Bentley and this radical devil movement overcome them. And as a result, then they're being brought into bondage. What happens then? You don't see anymore. This blinds you to the truth. Because you voluntarily submitted yourselves to devils. Doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. You voluntarily put yourself into subjection to those things. And now you're in bondage. And you're overcome. That's how it happens. And we're going to talk about that more. The first picture I'm looking at here is a picture of Todd Bentley. Uh, now, this man has tattoos from neck, I don't know about to toe, but I know to at least to ankle. And he has some of the most demonic tattoos I have ever seen in my life. Flames, hexagram, all-knowing eye of Lucifer. He's got these demonic beings on his body, uh, which they refer to as these Oni, which are the Buddhist guardians of hell. He's got all kind of uh, Japanese and uh, writing on his body that, that people are trying to decipher. He wears rings. He has his um, eyelids, or his uh, eyebrow pierced on the left side. He has got a lip piercing stud. Who knows what else he's got pierced. He's got two earrings in his ears. All you'd have to do is look at this man to know he's a devil. The Bible says to flee all appearance of evil. <laughs> That's about the last thing he's done. He has made himself look as evil as humanly possible. He's into the Harley biker scene, the Harley Davidson biker scene. He wears, he's obsessed with flames. He wears flames, uh, flame shirts. He's got flame tattoos. He's got a Harley Davidson with flames on the, on the gas tank. He's obsessed with that wicked movement. Now, I've seen what that wicked movement does to people that get into the Harley biker scene. And it's always perverted. And it's always evil. And it's not even appropriate for me to discuss what happens to people 
that get into that movement. Almost every single time, it ruins them. I've seen this firsthand, and that's a whole other... But he's into that. He's promoting the Harley. He wears Harley shirts and things like that. The Bible says to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but to rather reprove them. That's what we're doing today. We're reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. And we're seeking to separate ourselves and to have no fellowship with them. But guys like Todd Bentley and and these people that are following this latter uh, reign, Joel's army, manifest sons of God, dominionism, They're not, they're, they're not reproving the fr- unfruitful works of darkness. They're participating in them. They're embracing them. They are giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and speaking lies and hypocrisy. And they've totally had their conscience seared with a hot iron, according to 1 Timothy 4.1. Well, how do you know that? How could they do all of this stuff to themselves, to their bodies, the piercings, the cuttings, which are forbidden in the Bible, and these types of things? These are the things the pagans have done for millennia. How could they do all these things and have the Holy Spirit inside them not convicting them of this sin? Because the Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, you are bastards. Well, that means if you're God's kid, he can spank you. And if if you're not getting spanked and living like the devil, then you're a bastard. Which it means an illegitimate son. And I don't mean, it's not a cuss word. It's a biblical word. You're an illegitimate son. There's no conviction of sin with these people. They think that they're doing God's service. And I guarantee you, when the time comes for them to do their master's bidding, Satan's bidding, when they come to kill the Christians, they're going to, be, they're going to think that they're doing God's service, as the Bible predicts clearly. I'm not saying that to put fear in you, because the Lord, again, is perfectly capable of preserving His remnant. But some are going to come under, this, under that, I believe, uh, fate, at their hands. In fact, I got a feeling that they'll be the first ones to come after the true Christians. Because our very presence will convict them of their own evil ways in life. So I'm, I'm looking at this picture of this of uh, Todd Bentley laying hands on this guy. And uh, he's got his... Uh, in, in the picture, when he's laying hands on him, he's got the picture looks as though he's got an upside down cross on his left hand. And it depends, obviously, what orientation he has his hand in. But it's clearly an upside-down cross in this picture. He's got flames on his right wrist. Uh, all these pagan symbols on his body. Chinese-Japanese writing. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.22, it says, Lay hands suddenly on no man. Neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. This is one of the big one of the big reasons I came out of the Pentecostal movement. I just that verse was all I needed. Everybody was going around laying hands on everybody. What does this verse imply? It says you're not supposed to lay hands suddenly on no man. Now, in, in regard to this, where we talk about maybe um, you know it talks about the elders or the deacons coming together, such a one is sick and, and anointing them with oil. These types of things. Sometimes they laid hands on them to um, if they were going to go into a particular phase of ministry. But the Bible says to lay hands suddenly on no man. This is something you want to pray about. And you want to make sure you yourself are right with God. And that if you're going to do this, you know, you're called to do this. Well, they, they just go around laying hands on everybody. And then it says, Neither be partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. What does that imply? It implies if you do lay hands on somebody, 
you're potentially going to be partakers of other men's sins, and they yours, because I believe there's a spiritual exchange that's taking place here. Obviously, there's a spiritual change exchange taking place here. Look at the actual fruit of this. The charismatics know there's a spiritual exchange taking place when you lay hands suddenly on these people. 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. See, they're trying to transform themselves into what appears to be an apostle of Christ because they're such either low to absolutely no discernment in these churches that they don't know any better. They've, they've long since thrown out the Bible. Because if they would get in a King James Bible, they would realize how wicked this is. But they've, that's long been thrown out. So they're transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And then it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So I just kind of wanted to go over these verses right off the bat, because there's going to be some people that are just going to say, yeah, but what about this, and this and that? Well, let's just dispel that right off the bat with, with some Bible, because the Bible clearly predicts this is going to happen, and that it's no marvel that it's happening, and particularly in the end times we know this is the, the scenario. So Satan himself is also transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing, it's no great thing, if his ministers, his ministers, this would imply a minister, or a pastor, or, or somebody, if his, Satan's ministers, also be transformed into ministers of righteousness. They appear as ministers of righteousness, but they're not. They're Satan's. It's a deception. Remember, he's the father of lies, he's, you know, the great deceiver. And then it says, whose end shall be according to their works. Their end is the lake of fire. Now, I've got, again, I'm going to try to put this all in, in as much as I can in a PDF document with as many pictures as I can and the other pictures that, that are going to overload it. I'll try to give you links so you can actually go see that I'm not making this stuff up. This is being watched. I believe the statistic is by 126 million people nightly, this revival, on God TV. Pentecostal and Charismatic, and I'm sure there's a lot of other churches, are actually starting to shut down things so that they can show this in their church sanctuaries. In other words, they're putting other things aside because they're saying, look what God's doing. So who knows how many people are really watching this on a nightly basis, on this God TV. And God TV is the one that's promoting this. And uh, I didn't have a time to really get into the whole... God TV in today's sermon, but I'm sure I'm going to be doing that in the near future, uh, exposing them, because they're the main conduit or vehicle that Satan is using in order to promote this heresy. <clears throat> if you've been watching the news on Christian, quote, Christian television in the past couple of weeks, you could, you could not have missed the glowing reports of a revival breaking out in Lakeland, Florida. It is headed up by a certified false prophet teacher by the name of Todd Bentley. One of the guys from the famous Elijah list. Okay? And this is the whole, you know, manifest sons of God, latter rain, Joel's army. It's all tied in with Kansas City prophets. all tied in with this. So he's part of this Elijah list, which is an umbrella group that markets all the bogus prophetic junk their many seers sell. Many of these forerunners for the Antichrist are heralding the outbreak as the much-touted outpouring of the latter rain. Now we're going to see that it's actually being touted as the third wave. 
Okay, we're going to explain what that means later. Deuteronomy 11. Now, again, I'm, I'm looking at a picture here of Todd next to his Harley with his flame shirt on. He looks about as proud as you could possibly look. He's got flames on his bike. These guys are just obsessed with flames. The church that he is in right now preaching Stephen Strader's church. Now, if you were on my email list, you'd know that Pastor Slattery's been in a rather heated debate with the pastor of that church, Stephen Strader. His dad, I believe, and uh, brothers were the ones that started the Carpenter's Home Church back, whatever, in the 80s, I believe, which really was what spawned the Pensacola Revival, the Toronto Revival. This is where uh, 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 Rodney Howard Brown, a lot of the stuff that came through there, the Holy Laughter Movement, a lot of it originated in the Carpenter's Home Church. This Ignite Church is... Also in Lakeland, like Carpenter's Home Church, and it was an it was an offshoot of that church because this was the son Stephen Strader of the of the of his dad, obviously, and his brothers, and he started what they call Ignite Church. And again, like you ignite a fire, they're absolutely obsessed with flames, and I believe it's very ironic that these people are so obsessed with flames, and there's so many depictions of flames. And it's 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 just incredibly ironic. It's it's like you would you would view Satan sitting back and just you know thinking this is so hilarious, because this is where these people are heading. If they do not come out of this thing and get their eyes opened, how could they be under such strong delusion and stay in a strong delusion year after year and possibly be saved? Why wouldn't the Holy Spirit convict them of this? I know I came out of this stuff, but the Lord convicted me. How evil this was. And he, and he did so through various means. And I'm not saying they're all going to hell. But I'll tell you. and I, Because I know I've been there and done it. But I just pray to God that those that can get saved in this movement would get saved. Because these people are, are again thinking they're doing God's service. It's unbelievable. So if we go further. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 11, 16-18. <clears throat> Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. Now, that's what the problem here. These people's hearts are totally deceived. Why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, according to Jeremiah 17.9. So the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Bible also said, He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28.26. So if you trust in your own heart, you're a fool. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25. So there's a way which seemeth right. See, when you go to these things, it all seems right. Wow, it, you know, my heart feels like it's there. And, and all these people couldn't be wrong. And wow, people are really getting healed. And everybody's worshipping and praising God. How could this really be wrong? i tell you how it's wrong. Just compare it to the Bible. The Bible is the standard, the Word of God. The King James Bible is our standard. And if it doesn't line up with what the King James Bible says is proper and fit behavior for a Christian, then it's not of God. Because God is not going to contradict His Word. So take heed yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye you, and you turn aside. That's what happens when you get deceived. You turn aside and you serve other gods. That's what they're doing. They're serving another god. And worship them. 
and the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. What they're doing, what the Pentecostal, the charismatic movement is doing, particularly through them and a lot of other pseudo-Christian movements, is they're, is they're storing up the wrath of God. And then it goes on to say, And he shut up the heaven, and there be no rain, and the land yield not her fruit, lest ye perish quickly from off the good land, which the Lord giveth you. The Lord's been long-suffering toward these people. Therefore shall ye lay these my words in your heart and in your soul. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119 verse 11. So how do you cleanse your way? Oh, I'm sorry, that was Psalm 119 verse 9. You cleanse your way by taking heed to his word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's Psalm 119, verse 11. So, now I'm looking at another picture of this Todd Bentley guy. And he's got his uh, lip piercing stud in full view with his earrings and his uh, eyebrow piercings. And this one's entitled, Supernatural Living Messages. Podcast by Todd Bentley. Now, the teaching that I did last week relates to the Manifest Sons of God, Joel's Army, Latter Rain, which definitely ties into this. But today we're going to be, be specifically talking about Lakeland and Todd Bentley. Which, you know, it all ties together. And we're, again, the Dominionism teaching by itself, dedicated, is going to be uh, probably here in the near future. <clears throat> Sadly, this circus show of Todd Bentley, featuring an illustrated man, is now on the road and targets young people and new believers who are not armed with the knowledge of Scripture. So, in other words, they're sitting ducks for this deception. The crowds following Bentley are seen being overcome by ugly spirits of drunkenness and stupor. This is one of the main things that are happening. When he lays hands on people, many times people are coming away feeling drunk and, and like they're high and, and just crazy. Now, the Bible says that let everything to be done in decency and in order. Okay, particularly within the church. So that contradicts that verse right there. Fleeing all appearance of evil, that contradicts it, you know. In, in the church, those in the church who are crying out against this injustice are being squelched by the Christian media since those in control of the airwaves suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Well, you know fully well that God TV isn't doing anything to expose any of this. And the other networks aren't going to either because they're probably afraid of the... Um, reprisals that might occur. And then it goes on to say, in other ministries that buy airtime on networks such as TBN and the God Channel shut their own mouths for fear of biting the hand that feeds them and getting their own programs tossed. Well, what is that? That's called the fear of man. And the fear of man, the Bible says, bringeth a snare. Well, that's what we're dealing with here. Fear of man bringeth a snare. You just want to fear God. That's why I say pray for the fear of God in your life. Because it's very easy to fear man in today's day and age. And uh, these people don't want to get their own ministries tossed off. So they're going to just, you know, keep silent about it. Not only that, they're 501c3 organizations that are yoked up with the government. So that's a whole other subject there. So that leaves the internet which is pretty much the only place you'll see any opposition to the madness. And that's true. And I know there's a lot of wickedness on the internet. Uh, but unfortunately, it's about the only medium left. And when that ends, I don't know. Because they're, 
they're trying to enact a lot of legislation uh, governmentally to shut down our free speech on the internet. Psalm 94.16 says, Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? See, God's searching for people to rise up against the evildoers. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? Well, why? And, and again, when it talks about in Ezekiel 3 and 33 about being a watchman, and again, I understand, we're the body of Christ, everybody's called, and everybody has different functions within the body of Christ. Not everybody's called to be a dedicated watchman. But, when God opens the door, He does expect you, you know, to do what you can. To get the word out. So the Bible says again in Psalm 94 verse 16, Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? That's what we're doing today. And I'm not saying I'm the only one. I'm just saying there's just not enough. There, there's so many more of them than there are us. But that's how God always tends to work. With a small remnant. You know, like the whole thing about the whole premise of Gideon's army. You know, he didn't want a big army. And so, that's the way he chooses to work. I, I believe the reason that is, it's a very obvious in scripture, is because it brings him more glory. Because you cannot take credit, if you're in a battle and you're against 100 people, if one person is against 100 people and you win the battle, how could you take credit for that? No, God gets the credit because the odds were, um, you know, totally not in your favor. He goes on to say, now this is a... Um, I inserted a lot of the scriptures that we're, we're reading here. This is a this is a uh, uh, an email that I received from a particular ministry, and he goes on to say that awful song. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Evidently, that's a charismatic song. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Could well be a theme song for this deceptive display of lying signs and wonders. It reflects the faulty theology of those in the quote the river movement. There's a there's a church in my hometown. They call it the river. You know, they got these names now, Ignite Church, the river. Like the river is like this Holy Spirit river that you get into and, you know, you lose yourself in. But this, and what it's part of is it's part of this whole contemplative um, emerging church meditative Christianity. And you're going to see that plays very much into Todd Bentley's ministry. But this river movement was popularized by the so-called Toronto Blessing, the last wave of madness that hit the church back in the latter half of the 1990s. Well, now we're getting into this next wave, which they're calling the third wave. The lyrics of this song reflect the, quote, Kingdom Now visions, dominionist visions, of the church taking over all the elements of society and setting up a kingdom on earth before the Lord returns. See, they don't believe that we're really going to be going through you know, all of these things, all of these hard times and tribulations, they believe that they're going to make it better and better and better until just Jesus Christ almost has to come back because they've made it so good. They're going to set up His throne. And in this regard, they believe that they're doing God's service. And this is one of the reasons they don't have any conviction of sin whatsoever because they believe they're doing God's service. So how could they be sinning? They're setting up the kingdom. You know, they're the manifest sons of God. They are gods. So how could a god sin? They're, they transcend good and evil. That's what they, they're starting to believe. Anything goes. Obviously, they have no conviction of sin. You'll, you'll read some of the stuff that they're doing. So, but this setting up the kingdom on earth before the Lord returns, an idea that the book of Revelation and all other passages about the end times contradict. Um, part of the song says, quote, and we can see that God, you're moving a mighty river through the nations. 
and young and old will turn to Jesus. Fling wide your heavenly gates. Young and old will turn to Jesus. Well, regarding, you know, salvation, regarding the end times, the Bible says that God is going to send strong delusion in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That they will believe a lie. That they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. See, they're not receiving the love of the truth. How could they be receiving the love of the truth and be an absolute, total, abject deception? I'm not saying that because I take pleasure in saying that. I pray to God that those in this movement that can be saved would be saved. I don't want to see them burn in hell. But how are they going to how are they going to possibly have any hope of coming out of this movement unless somebody tells them? Unless they're shown the truth. And these are things you should be praying... We, we as the, the body of Christ should be praying against what's going on in Lakeland. That the fear of God would manifest... The true fear of God would manifest and that God's name would be glorified. We need some Ananias and Sapphira type things to start happening... I'm not saying we need it, but the, but the reality is this, they need it. What was the fruit of Ananias and Sapphira being killed? Okay, I'm not telling you to go around killing people. I'm saying if God were to do it, what was the fruit of that? Well, many were converted. Great fear fell upon them. They glorified God. There was really no downside to that whole thing. But because that's not happening, and because this wickedness is waxing worse and worse and worse, more people are getting into it, more people are falling for it, and more people ultimately are going to end up burning in hell. What's more merciful? So if we go back to this article, it says, Are the nations really turning to God? Hardly. In fact, not only are the nations not turning back to God, but the church as a whole is being transformed by the world. Remember it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in it, any man that love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, that's all this is. You're loving the world. You're loving the flesh. How could the love of the Father be in you? Yeah, Doug just brought up a good point about this thing, about, you know, this... People that believe that only, you know, this, this lovey-dovey stuff is, is the only thing that's going to convert anybody... And the Bible says that godly sorrow leadeth thee to repentance. Okay? Godly sorrow isn't fun. But it does lead to repentance. Chastening of the Lord leads to repentance. These types of things are... Now, it also says the goodness of the Lord leads thee to repentance. But also the goodness could be, could be manifested through godly sorrow. Because if, if God is chastening you, that shows that He loves you. And that you're one of His children. So, I just, you know, I pray whatever it takes, you know, whatever type of chastisement it takes from the Lord to wake these people up. Whatever type of sorrow. The Bible also says that there is wisdom in the house of mourning, in Ecclesiastes. And in the house of myrrh, which is like celebration, is fools. It's foolishness. So... We've just got our priorities all messed up in, in, in the modern day pseudo-church. The Bible says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. Well, that's what they're doing. They're calling this, this Lakeland revival good. And it's evil. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter and light for darkness and darkness for light. So, 
the Bible says, woe unto them. And that's what they're doing. It's a very sad thing that's going on up there. If we go further, this says, <clears throat> but the church as a whole is being transformed by the world as the emerging church and the purpose-driven movement demonstrate. Now, Second Peter 2, 17-19 said, regarding these, these false ministers, it says, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. That's what Todd Bentley's future is. The midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak with great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Now, I watched this guy speak last night. He talked about how Jesus physically manifested to him. I, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that by Pentecost. Oh, Jesus came and visited me in my bedroom. And he was describing Jesus as this long-haired hippie Jesus. And I've done whole studies on that, that that's not what Jesus looks like. That's the depiction that the Catholic Church has given us. And when the false Jesus comes back, when the Antichrist version Jesus comes back, who they call Sananda Emmanuel, the New Age Ascended Master Jesus, he's going to look exactly like those pictures that the Catholics have given us. And the Christians are going to fall for it hook, line, and sinker just because he looks like them. It doesn't matter what his doctrine is. He looks like him. It's got to be him. Don't let your eyes deceive you. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not of God. That's why you have to totally depend on the Word of God. You don't depend on me. Don't follow me. I'm just a man. If what I say contradicts the Word of God, don't follow me. I'm not try In other words, I'm not trying to hold these other people to a higher accountability than I would hold myself. Now, I pray to God I'm not deceiving anyone. The point is, is, is I'm not trying to hold them to a higher accountability level or, or trying to judge them. Because a lot of people would come to me and say, oh, you're, you're judging, you're a hypocrite, you're this and that. The Bible says, he who is spiritual judgeth all things. That we are to judge righteous judgment. And when, the, when Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged, he was in regard to pharisaical, hypocritical judgment where the person had a beam in their own eye and he was judging the speck in his brothers. That's when you don't judge. Here's another thing he says. He says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged of God. It says that in the New Testament. Well, that's something we need to do every single day. We need to judge ourselves every single day. That's actually a comforting verse if you think about it. Because if we would judge ourselves every single day, we would not be judged of God. Now, I'm not saying it negates the judgment seat of Christ. But there is a certain scriptural precedent there. I mean, think about it. If you had a kid, and the kid had done something bad. And let's say that child came to you and they admitted it and they had already even done something, they had already imposed something upon themselves. They had already judged their own sin. Wouldn't that be much more pleasing than if that child came to you and said, well, I haven't done anything wrong. What have I done wrong? And they were lying. What would be more pleasing to you as their parent? Well, I don't believe God's any different. So that's why I believe the Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged of God. And when we judge ourselves, what happens, I believe, also, is we will not fall under... I'm not saying this is a foolproof remedy, but in part, it is a very important component of not being yourself deceived. If you're constantly judging yourself, if you're praying for the fear of God, if you're praying for humility and meekness before the Lord, if you're praying to be a servant, 
Because the Bible says, let them that are greatest among you be your servant. That's what Jesus said. If you're in the Word of God, praying, trying to live holy, so many other things are going to take care of themselves. But if you're not doing any of that, you're ripe for, for deception and delusion. So going back to this verse in 2 Peter 2, 17-19, it says, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh. That's what Todd Bentley does. The lust of the flesh. Oh, and, and sometimes that lust of the flesh is a false healing. Or a healing that, that seems genuinely... But we're going to look at what power he's healing by. So they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that are clean escape from them who live in error. If you're part of this movement, you need to escape from this. Like, like, out of a, like a bird out of a trap. You need to escape. You need to flee. You need to run from this. Because it's a trap. Remember, of whom a man has overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Bondage is a trap. This is a trap to damn your soul to hell. And ultimately the lake of fire. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For, and again, we've said this, for whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. So what's happening in Florida? Todd Bentley was guest preacher at Ignited Church in Lakeland, Florida for a five-day healing revival. I guess it's Ignited, sorry, I said Ignite. For a five-day healing revival starting on April 2nd, 2008. Now this was only April 2nd. This started. This isn't like, you know, this happened four years ago. This is going on right now. You can go up there. I, I listened to it the other night a little bit. And uh, the, the preacher, it wasn't Bentley. He wasn't up there yet. But it, I was listening to it on the internet. And he was talking about how God had just shown him that the, uh, the parable of the wise virgins were actually 13-year-old children. The wise virgins were 13-year-old children that had their lamps fully trimmed. So he wanted to do an altar call for all 13-year-old children in there because he believed they were the wise virgins. That's what he said. Now, I only had this thing on for like 10 minutes, and I was already, he was already getting into that kind of heresy. I mean, the wise virgins, 13-year-old children? Who have their lamps full? Uh, just a small sample. We're going to see some other things that have been said there. No matter what I do today, I can't do this, this teaching justice. There's just, there's just too much going on that's of the devil to possibly cover it all. So, it was extended. Now, this, this five-day healing revival, this Todd Bentley guy, the tattoo guy, it was extended to the end of the month because the crowd's coming in to get healed and to get drunk in the spirit. And that's why they were primarily one of the reasons they're getting drunk in the spirit. You know, the Bible talks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I would be really careful on this. Drunk in the spirit? You're attributing something to the Holy Spirit that's of the devil. You've got to be really careful on this. Now I understand, I'm not saying God can't give you grace. But this is something that should really strike great fear into these people. They're calling evil good, and good evil. Why would I say they're calling good evil? Because I guarantee you they would view what I'm doing today as evil, and what they're doing as good. And they're saying this is all by the power of the Holy Spirit, that so much of this is occurring. 
they're attributing an incredibly evil thing to the work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the essence of blaspheming the Holy... Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and get dogmatic, and but I'm just saying, why wouldn't you want to... If you found this out, <laughs> and you still had conviction of sin, I would flee in abject terror. Terror of God. The church's pastor is Stephen Strader. This is the guy I talked about earlier, the pastor Slattery's been in a, a debate with. Pastor Slattery issued him a challenge. He said, hey listen, Mr. Strader, if you're such a wonderful, if whatever's going on in your church is so wonderful, and such a wonderful healing thing, I'll tell you what, I'll meet you down at the, uh, at the local hospital in the emergency room at a time I appoint so you can't get your pre, pre-planted shills in there ahead of time, your plants, and, uh, and I'll pick the hospital. And we'll go down there and we'll see how many people you can heal. Well, obviously, he didn't take him up in the challenge. I saw his, his responses were just pathetic. You know, these are pastors of churches. You would think they would be able to theologically debate a little bit better. But they're really inept in the scriptures. They really are. I mean, I'm not saying that because I think I'm better. I'm just saying they're very inept for a pastor. They should be ashamed. But they, again, they've long abandoned the Word of God. If they were ever adhere to it at all. So the church's pastor is Stephen Strader, the son of Carl Strader, formerly of Carpenter's Home Church, which is where this madness, a lot of it spawned from. Toronto Revival, Pensacola Revival. And this is in Lakeland where Rodney Howard Brown made his holy laughter debut back in 1993. This is where the Holy Ghost bartender, Rodney Brown, he calls himself the Holy Ghost bartender. Not making this up. He said, come belly up to the bar and get a drink. He says this stuff on on camera. And then this outpouring went on to spark the Toronto and the Pensacola drunken revivals. Now remember, these crowds are coming to get healed and to get drunk in the Spirit. And and to be shown a sign and wonder. Whereas the Bible said, Jesus said, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. So now, this, this whole revival healing thing, false... Revival has come full circle and it's back where it started from in Lakeland. One eyewitness described the manifestations going on at the impartation of Bentley's anointing. Now, this is one eyewitness account. I'm going to read many today. One eyewitness account. Now, remember, this just started April 2nd, and these have already been poured in. You're not going to believe some of these. This is. A, I'm going to quote from this account. Of this, it says, These are effects that I have witnessed on people who have attended this movement and have either had hand laid, hands laid on them or claimed to have been imparted with, quote, the Spirit. They come back with this kind of childlike drunken stupor. Descriptions of burning sensations, either in their veins, their heads, or their stomachs. Descriptions of being washed back and forth like waves in an ocean. Dancing about like in a drunken state, inappropriate yelling and screaming like they're at a football game. Remember, everything should be done in decency and order, lay hands suddenly on no man, you know, have no fellowship with the unfruitful warps of darkness, but rather reprove them. There's so many things this is scripturally violating. Flee all appearance of evil. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I mean, you could go on and on and quote scripture after scripture. 
uh, other things. Dancing about like they're drunk. Inappropriate yelling, uh, young men whistling over and over, holding their heads and claiming that they feel the Holy Spirit about to split them in two. Now, when I first read this, when it said young men whistling over and over, I didn't think anything about it. Just stick with me. We're going to talk about this whistling phenomenon later. Heavy stuff. Heavy demonic stuff we're going to be talking about. Yeah, uh, they, Doug just brought up a good point where a lot of these descriptions that we're talking about here, uh, whistling over, holding their heads, claiming they feel like the Holy Spirit splitting them into this drunken stupor. This is very, very common within the occult to have basically exactly the same types of feelings as they're being possessed. Again, you don't have any New Testament precedent for these types of things happening to people. When it was of God, never. And then going on with this account, it says, One young man's back, two teeth, turned completely to some metallic finish. Now this happens all the time. And we're going to talk about this gold dust showing up, these gemstones showing up out of nowhere, people's fillings that were silver turning to gold. You know, all kind of lying signs and wonders. You know, the devil will meet you at your need if you give him that opportunity. If you open the door to him, he's more than happy to oblige you. That's the point of this. And then going further, it says, this is a nice one, people with their eyes rolled back in their heads and weaving around like they're lost. They are lost and they're on the way to hell, unfortunately. Uh, They've got to be the vast majority. So, people's with their eyes rolled back in their head, weaving around like they're lost. Women gyrating and pulsating like they're being ravaged from behind by some unforeseen force. Ravaged from behind? From some unseen force? Drunken, uncontrollable laughter in the middle of solemn prayer time. There's nothing solemn about this event, no. I'd have to interject that. People being slain in the spirit, just falling down and being unable to move like someone is holding them down. Now, just think about this. This is something we that we could pray for. I don't see I don't see any downside to this. I'm sorry, I just don't. But what if? What if? For just thirty seconds, these people that were in Stephen Strader's Ignite Church, what if their eyes were truly open to the spirit world for thirty seconds? And they saw what was really being done to them by these devils and demons and probably fallen angels. What if that were to happen? I'm not saying that, that I'm not trying to put God in a box and saying, you know, God, you've got to do this. But I'm just saying, what if? If they were truly allowed. I mean, people that are on their deathbeds. There have been many accounts of this, and it's not very prevalent anymore because they drug people up so much as they're getting ready to die. But in times past, people on their deathbeds, many times, wicked people that had rejected Christ over and over again, typically they were the ones that happened to mostly, they would actually see the death angel coming to get them. And this is real. Their eyes were open at the very, very, very end of their life to just get a little foretaste of what was coming. See... You might, some people might say, oh no, that, now you're really getting off in left field. But the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, 
but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, these types of things. That's where the real battle exists, but it exists on a plane that we can't see. Now, occultists, if they're adept enough, and if they've gone far enough, they've had what they call their third eye open, and they can actually see into the spirit world. But there's a heavy price to pay for that. And it's not something that any Christian should try to attain. I'm just saying, what if that were to happen to them? Would it be more merciful if they were to see that and they were to repent and get saved and get out of this thing than it would be for them to be caught up in this and to never have their eyes open and to rot in hell forever? What's more merciful, I will ask you? Or if the wicked were judged, God knows who, who are going to get saved and who's not. The wicked are appointed to the day of wrath. They are vessels fit and fitted for destruction. The Bible says they are vessels fitted for destruction. Before the foundation of the earth. It's very clear on that. I did a teaching on this on, this, on these indigo children. Where we talked about verse after verse where the Bible is very clear on this. That the wicked go astray from the womb, it says. From the womb. Now listen, this isn't my rule book. This is God's. You may say, well that's not fair. It's not fair. Well, it's not my rule book. God's the one that has created the wicked and the good and the righteous. They're both created by God. And that's, that's His business. It's not mine. But it's a fact that it's very plain in Scripture that that is the case. And if these wicked people who are going to take more people to hell with them, and that is what their goal is, because they are of their father the devil, and of his works they will do, if that is their goal in life, to take as many people to hell with them, what's more merciful? For God to start judging these people in severe ways? That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God that they would wisely consider of God's doing, as Psalm 64 talks about. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow, that all men will see and fear and declare the work of God. And they will wisely consider of His doing. The righteous shall be glad and rejoice, and all the upright in heart shall glory. And all men shall see and fear and declare the work of God. That's what we need. We need the fear of God. We need, we need the wicked to declare the work of God and get, you know, those that can be saved, that they could be converted. How are they going to be converted? How, are, how is anybody going to get possibly saved if these people just continue in wickedness? How is that? But, you know, and, and it, it's a catch-22 because God said He was going to be the one that sends the strong delusion that they will believe a lie. So again, it's, it's, I try to present both sides of the, of the biblical story here. It's a very sad thing if you really think about it. What's going on? I, I mean, it's not like I'm up here happy about this. I, I wish I didn't have to do this. But the Bible clearly predicted it was going to be this way. And when I get into this stuff on a weekly basis, it truly should make the Bible come alive to you. I know it does to me. But don't get puffed up. Because you know this information. You know, take heed lest you fall, that type of thing. So, if we go further, the, if, if their eyes were open for just 30 seconds, guaranteed they would flee an abject terror. They need the fear of God. Then we go on to say this blogger who posted this asked a point question about the woman reported 
to be ravaged, being ravaged from behind. He said, am I misreading or does that mean that the women are literally acting like they are being, quote, sexed up by these unseen supernatural forces? It's well known in the occult that there are certain demons called incubus and succubus that are specifically sexual, sexual demons and they'll typically come to you in the night and they will, if there's open doors, they will seek to try to have sex with you. In a woman, I believe they're incubus spirits that come to women and they, they can appear as a you know beautiful, uh, not beautiful, but a good looking man. Succubus spirits typically appear as women, and they will appear to men, and uh, try to seduce them. It's well known. Well, if things are this out of control at Lakeland, and if these people have so opened the door to the devil, I wouldn't put this past the devil. I wouldn't put this, you know, say, oh no, this couldn't happen. How could it, I mean, it's a natural byproduct of what's going to happen, actually. Another phenomenon I notice when watching any of these outpourings are people that are actually bent over, unable to straighten themselves up, while convulsing into their bellies. Whenever I see this, I'm reminded of the, quote, spirit from which Jesus delivered a woman, as reported in Luke 13. Jesus said that this woman, whom Satan has bound, needed to be loosed, even on the Sabbath. So he released her from the spirit, from this spirit, and immediately she was made straight. These pitiful people who can't even straighten their backs up need to be loosed from whatever, whatever spirit Bentley is imparting to them. I agree. Now, let's talk about Bentley's, Todd Bentley's source of power. We don't have to play a guessing game to discern the source of Bentley's power over these undiscerning people. His own testimony reveals how he reportedly tapped into the spirit realm for the key to do signs and wonders. In one of his fresh fire classes. Now his his ministry is called fresh fire uh, anointing or something. Fresh fire ministries. That's again they're obsessed with fire. All these guys. Ignited church, fresh fire, you know, we're gonna look at some more of that in the he's got flames all over him. How ironic. It's just like you can almost see Satan sitting back and just laughing over this whole thing. This is such you know, he's got these people so hook line and sinker. And they think they're doing God's service. Uh, <clears throat> so we don't have to play a guessing game at the source of his power. Uh, in, this, in his Fresh Fire classes, called The Secret Place, this was around 2005, Bentley takes his followers to Psalm 91 for his proof text and examining on how to get this, this power to do signs and wonders. He says... In this tape, and in, in, in this, his voice is on these tapes is very eerie. It is indistinguishable from a cult leader by the name of Anthony, Anthony Marcalongo, who was a demon, demonized prophet who, back in the late 1980s, abused his flock and molested his female followers. His tyranny came to an end when he was killed in a one-car crash, and his body, along with his car, were wrapped around a tree. You know, I guarantee you his followers at that point, thinking that he was this big whatever man of God, I guarantee you some fear fell on them. Here in the text of Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, which says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Okay, Psalm 91. But here's Bentley's paraphrase of what we just read. That he gave... 
in a gravely shouting audience. He, Bentley's quoted saying, He who dwells, not visits, but dwells in the abode of God, shall be like the Most High. Where does it say that? It says, He shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that he's my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. But he's saying, he's twisting that by saying that he shall be like the Most High. It doesn't say that. Typical twisting of scriptures. How, how all cults get started, how all pseudo-Christian cults get started, they just start twisting scriptures, putting their own warped interpretation on it. And if they have a perverted Bible, it's all the more easier to do. So... He who dwells, not visits, dwells in the abode of God, shall be like the Most High, in that you will be uppermost. You will be uppermost. Far above, in the highest excellence, anything that you, that you do in your life as supreme ruler in your circumstances. Give me a break. It doesn't even remotely say that. That, that verse totally implies us putting our total faith and our trust in the Lord, in abiding in Him, under His wings... He who dwells, and then he goes on to say, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High is supreme. Far above, uppermost. That almost, it's almost like he's implying we're above God. The highest heights of heaven. Lofty, excellence, overcoming Christian. Are you understanding me? End of quote. So according to Bentley, those who dwell in the secret place are supreme, supreme, lofty, uppermost. What do these words sound like? Well, let's go to Isaiah 14, 12. Isaiah 14, 12. Now, if you have an NIV and you're turning there, it's going to read, How are you fallen from heaven, O morning star? Son of the dawn. That's an in, absolutely incorrect way to read the verse. Because if you have an NIV reference Bible, it'll take you over to Revelation, where it talks about the bright and morning star, Jesus Christ. And you're going to get confused thinking, is Lucifer Jesus? That's what happened to Gail Ripplinger when she started finding this, this out, and what got her as a professor at Kent State to look at this matter further. It's not a laughing matter. That's why it's so important you're reading the right Bible. This is essentially the biography of Lucifer. And if you have an NIV Bible, you're going to think it might be Jesus Christ. What's the difference between the two verses in the King James and the uh, NIV? NIV calls Lucifer the morning star, which is false. That's Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a bad um, translation. The King James, though, on the other hand... Let me read what the King James says. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Does it say morning star? Son of the morning. Big difference. How art thou cut down to the ground which, did, which didst weaken the nations? This is Lucifer. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Isn't that what just Todd Bentley just said? Except he said far above the uppermost. He almost was acting like he was going to put himself. And then, But Satan's fate is in, you know... Verse 15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. 
They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake the nations? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of the prisoners? See, that's Satan's fate. He was called Lucifer when he was the anointed cherub that covered, but when he fell, he was Satan. Again, it's a whole other study we could do there, but I thought that that was a parallel there, um, really tied together. Then it goes to say, it is hard to tell the difference between the words of Bentley and those of Satan. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Then he said, he went on to elaborate, this is another um, quote from Todd Bentley. He says, you see, I want to be fruitful. I want to be far above. I want to be a conqueror. I want to be a mountain of strength. I want to be greatness. Remember, the Bible says that he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And he that exalts himself shall be abased. And that we're to seek to be last and not first. Because many that are last in this life will be first in the next. And that those that are greatest among you, let them be your servant. That's what Jesus Christ said. And he came as an example as a, as a servant. And yet he was the King of kings and Lord of lords and creator of the universe. And he humbled himself. But not Todd. No, Todd Bentley wants to be greatness. And then he goes on to say, you know, like we like the you know, we like that word greatness. Well, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high automatically comes into everything that the Almighty is. It happens. End of quote. Oh, is that so? So we're the Almighty? We are gods? Is this the same isn't this the same lie that the serpent tempted Eve with in the Garden of Eden? You shall be as gods? But he's saying, no, we are as God. The Almighty God. Not just gods with a small g. Almighty God. That's how full of pride he is. And when it says, it's hard to tell the difference between the words of Bentley and those of Satan, of Isaiah 14, uh, 12 through 14, well, he is of his father, the devil, and of his works he will do. So Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and of their... So we shouldn't expect anything less from Todd Bentley and these host of false prophets that are coming out of this movement. They're of their father, the devil. And of his works they will do. And then, um, so if we go further, so how does Bentley, how did Bentley actually get into the secret place? He explained that in another session. From the same conference in the message entitled Soaking, one of my favorite, you know, Pentecostal things to do. Just kidding. They they supposedly they soak in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's this whole contemplative, uh, meditative thing that that is is infiltrating the emerging church movement and you know the New Age movement. Obviously, in that message, he said that he began to practice quote contemplative prayer. Sometimes he said he learned from studying the lives of mystics such as Catholic Brother Lawrence. Now, I was, it wasn't too long ago I heard a guy tell me, uh, he was Pentecostal, and he said, oh, he says, my, my life was changed when I, when I read Brother Lawrence's book. And I didn't know who he was. And I actually, I don't know if I ordered it on the internet, because I wanted to see what it was. And I, when I read I'm like, this guy was a, was a Catholic uh, mystic. He worked in a monastery, as I think like a cook or something. Yeah, th this mysticism thing, it really does go back to, um, well, obviously you could probably trace it back even further, but the Catholics are the ones really, you know, these, these ancient monks in the Catholic Church and these types of guys. I've seen 
uh, things where these Catholic monks would go and they would they would meditate and they would, you know, this whole thing about you know cloistering and, and having themselves um, alone, you know, in rooms by themselves or off in the wilderness and these types of things in this meditative, contemplative state. Sometimes, many times, what these some of these um, these great uh, Catholic monks and guys would do is they would actually meditate on a real human skull. Very, very common theme. Where they would actually have real human skulls and this would be the source of their of their meditative um, work. So, good old Todd Bentley said he learned this contemplative prayer from studying the lives of such mystics such as Brother Lawrence and an Indian named Sundar Signy. Todd Bentley said that this silence launched his ministry after three months of soaking, meditating in an altered, which is meditating in an altered state of consciousness, accumulated by in a physical encounter with Jesus Christ, who stood behind him and spoke to him audibly. Well, now just remember this. You know, Jesus Christ said he was coming back, you know, as he left. He's coming back in the clouds and these types of things. All these people in the Pentecostal movement, so many of them say, oh yes, Jesus Christ appeared to me bodily. I don't really think that's biblical. I'm sorry. Because the Bible says, if any man say unto you, lo, here's Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise many false Christs and false prophets and show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible they should deceive the very elect. Now again, I don't want to try to totally put God in a box, but, you know... I have never heard one person that said Jesus appeared to them bodily that wasn't off in all kind of total uh, air and apostasy. You know, remember, Satan can masquerade himself as an angel of light. It's no marvel if his ministers can do the same. So, this is how this man's ministry was launched. Through three months of contemplative um, meditation, soaking, Meditating in this altered state of consciousness, which which accumulated in this a physical, supposedly physical encounter with Jesus Christ, who stood behind him and spoke to him audibly. Now the Bible says in Psalm eleven verse three, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, that he's admitting that was the foundation of his ministry. Now I understand there was probably a lot of other heresy that led up to this, but he's saying that's what launched his ministry after he did this for three months. So it doesn't sound like he really built on a very good foundation. Meditating in an altered state of consciousness is no different than what the yogis, the gurus, the Buddhists, the New Agers, the monks, the Catholics have been doing for hundreds of years. It's no different. So in reading about the Signy guy on the internet, I found out that he was a Christian... I, I, this word is spelled S-I-K-H. Ski... A Christian ski Indian who lived from 1889 to 1929. He practiced mind-emptying meditation that he warned wasn't for everybody since it did hell dangers. And documents, Wikipedia documents that Signy would visit the spirit plane during his times of silence. What does this imply? That he's using astral projection or at bare minimum remote viewing, which are two high-level occult techniques, in order to go out of body. He is quoted, the Signy guy, who is, who is one of the main influences of Todd Bentley, um, is, uh, this article from Wikipedia said, Signy stated that he had contact with Swedenborg. Now, Swedenborg was an, a, an occultist in, the, in that 
genre and time frame, a little bit before him, obviously. I believe that this Swedenberg was also the guy that Helen Keller followed. I'm pretty sure it was the same cult leader that Helen Keller followed, because she was into very bad stuff. And I've got a whole teaching we've done on that as well. Not just on Helen Keller, but on the whole uh, Cornudo sign and that type of stuff. Because she invented that sign. So, Signe stated that he had contact with Swedenborg in the spirit world, and said, I saw him several times, some years ago, but I did not know his earthly name. Now, this is on the spiritual, astral plane here. His name in the spiritual world is quite different, just according to his high position or office, and a most beautiful character. Swedenborg was a great man, philosopher, scientist, and above all, a seer of clear visions. I often speak with him in my visions. Now, he's going out of body to do this in a meditative altered state. Most likely through either astral projection or, or remote viewing. Totally, totally, totally witchcraft we're talking about here. And this is one of Todd Bentley's main mentors. Then he goes on to say, he occupies a high place in the spirit world. Having read his books and having come into contact with him in the spirit world, I can thoroughly recommend him as a great seer. Well, again, if we were to believe this, we were to, be, were to throw out the notion of heaven and hell, which is exactly what they want us to do. Because they've got some familiar spirit appearing to this guy when he was alive as this Swedenborg guy. But the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. You either go to heaven or hell. You don't just get to hang around on the astral plane and talk to your buddies all day long. This is one of the main lies of the New Age. Wikipedia also points out that Christian apologist Walter Martin classified Swedenborg and his followers among the cults. The difficulty for evangelicals is compounded by Signe's confirmation of contact with Swedenborg in the spirit world. In other words, evangelicals that would follow this uh, Signe guy. This visionary form of contact with an unorthodox deceased teacher clashes with the portraits of piety drawn by later evangelical biographers. Now, what is he doing when he's, when he's supposedly on this astral plane talking with this dead guy? What is that? That's called necromancy. Talking with the dead. Totally forbidden in the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, it was punishable with the death penalty. The death penalty. In the Old Testament. Now, I get into this in my teaching, Witchcraft Practices Biblically Defined. And all you have to do is go to my homepage and just type in witchcraft in the little box on the right. And you'll see Witchcraft Practices Biblically Defined. Just You can listen to that. Because I go into this in the Old Testament. What is forbidden? Okay? It's also forbidden today. I mean, witchcraft is witchcraft. It is also interesting that Bentley, Todd Bentley, claims to have witnessed to a witch doctor on the spirit plane himself. Oh, so now Bentley's going into astral projection and he's witnessing the witch doctors on the spirit plane. I guess how that's, the, that's one of the ways they could justify it, I guess. While his body remained in the hotel room and he testified that an unseen angel must have come to his rescue by throwing a potential mugger into a wall on, on his behalf. Because I guess he was trying to get mugged when he was in astral projection, so the angel had to throw him in the wall while he was witnessing to a witch doctor on the astral plane. Is this madness? This is Todd Bentley. Now I'm going to go ahead and end part one there, and we're going to pick up with Bentley's true source of power in the next session. Not going to believe this.